Welcome to LDS Real People, Real Lives Podcast. This is Stephanie Colvin, and I am your host, coming to you from Southern California. Today is Thursday, November 17th, 2022, and today's topic is going to be Comeback. Inspired by the Comeback Podcast, I wanted to share with you a podcast that I came across on um, Apple Podcast. It's called The Comeback Podcast. It's put out by Ashley Stone. It's a fairly new podcast. Of course, she's LDS and she's come back to the church herself. And she started a podcast where she interviews people who have been in the church and left and come back. There are varying stories, backgrounds, and experiences that have been shared. And they are ever so inspiring. I really encourage you to go check out her podcast because if you're anything like me you're looking for testimonies um, to build your faith to uplift and to see god's hand to stand back in awe and to see the spirit and christ working in the lives of people here on earth and i need to see that constantly because it just comforts me And I'm so grateful for all of the good work that Ashley's doing and for the many other LDS saints out there that are using technology to spread the gospel and to reach others across the world who are looking to come back. Um, I wanted to share a few quotes this morning that um, I had come across some of our elders, apostles, prophets, some 70s, Uh, as they have looked to address those who have been baptized and taken their first covenant, even some of those who have gone further into their covenant path and left the church. And so we'll be talking a little bit further about that. But before we go into that, I wanted to cover some church news this week. They addressed the recent Congress. The United States Congress came out with the Respect for Marriage Act, H.R. 8404, And uh, this was put out by Representative Jerry Nadler from New York. Um, And this is a bill that provides statutory authority for same-sex and interracial marriages. So specifically, the bill repeals and replaces provisions that define for purposes of federal law, marriages between a man and a woman and spouse as a person of the opposite sex with provisions that recognize any marriage that is valid under state law. So this is making uh, provisions for same-sex marriage and for marriages that uh, are for people of any race, which I think that's kind of redundant, but so be it. We are living in a crazy, very weird world. And um, so the church came out with their response to that. It's... As I've been on social media, I see people say, oh, you know, the church never responds to the news. Why are they doing it now? And then, you know, some people, they just, the church can never do anything right. I, however, love that the church 
is clarifying things for its members as the world continues to push forward in um, sin and transgression. And we've seen this throughout the scriptures. So they came out with a statement this week on the Respect for Marriage Act. And the church being the church is always simple and basic that even a child can understand. It says, the doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints related to marriage between a man and a woman is well known and will remain unchanged. We are grateful for the continuing efforts of those who work to ensure the Respect for Marriage Act includes appropriate religious freedom protections while respecting the law and preserving the rights of our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. And I just want to put a caveat in there and remind you that we have a very large LGBTQ group of LDS members who are active in the church. We believe this approach is the way forward as we work together to preserve the principles and practices of religious freedom together with the rights of LGBTQ individuals. Much can be accomplished to help relationships and foster greater understanding. Um, <clears throat> For me, a person that would be a great representation of the LGBT group, of someone who is faithful and loves the gospel, and this is his cross to bear and his struggle, is Dennis Schleicher. I've talked about him before in this podcast. He is an absolutely amazing gentleman who loves the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, <clears throat> excuse me, he continues to battle as we all have our battles and crosses to bear in our own bitter cups by putting the Lord first in his life. And if you want to check him out, you can find him on Instagram at den, D-E-N, Schleicher, S as in Sam, C-H-L-E-I-C-H-E-R. And um, he would be a great person if you're looking for more information on how a faithful LGBTQ Latter-day Saint reconciles and uses the gospel to reconcile that particular hardship in his life. Um, so please check him out and uh, let's get moving forward here. So again, today's topic is reaching out and talking to those who have left the church and coming back. Maybe you're thinking about coming back. Maybe you've thought about coming back. Um, <clears throat> I know that when I came back, I actually came back a few times from through my 20s and 30s, and uh, it just never stuck. It just never stuck. And I went through what other people went through. I went through the throes of feeling judged and feeling uncomfortable and feeling like a, a sore thumb that just stuck out. Um, like a, you know, a prostitute in a church is kind of how I felt. And uh, it was just a horrible experience. And so it's hard to go somewhere where you just don't feel comfortable in, right? But as you're looking to improve upon yourself and your life and who you are, <clears throat> we need to change what we're doing. And so we have to be open to change. And for me, it took maturity. It took wisdom. It took a partner. That's what it took for me. I could not do this journey alone. I had to have a partner in this journey of, honestly, freedom. Freedom from the oppression of what the world teaches. And... Um, let me share with you some of the wonderful feelings and thoughts that our leaders have shared through their talks. So I'm gonna start off with Richard G. Scott. He says, as he addresses those who have left the church, he says, we love you and want your happiness more than you can possibly imagine. To you who have taken this path, I plead, come back. Come back to the cool, refreshing waters of personal purity. 
Come back to the warmth and security of your Father in Heaven's love. Come back to the serenity that distills from the decision to live the commandments of your elder brother, Jesus the Christ. Come back. We must lay hold upon these words. And it's the spirit that does the talking to our hearts, to our minds, and to our very spirit. And then we have F. Burton Howard, who said, In Doctrine and Covenants 5842, He who has repented of his sins, the same is forgiven, and I, the Lord, remember them no more. It's a great reminder because Lucifer would have us constantly live under the burden and it is a heavy burden of our sins and transgressions, our mistakes. Whereas Christ would say, repent, use the atonement that I have given you because I love you and I will forgive you and I will remember your sins no more. F. Burton Howard goes on to say, some years ago it was fashionable in certain circles to use the phrase, you can never go home again. And that is just simply not true. It is possible to return. It is possible for those who have ceased to pray, to pray again. It is possible for those who are lost to find their way through the dark and come home. And when they do, they will know, as I know, that the Lord is more concerned with what a man is than with what he was and with where he is than with where he has been. I so testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I can add my testimony to that as someone who has uh, recovered from drug addictions, alcohol addiction, and other addictions. Um, I have put myself into slimy, sleazy environments. And I have felt the release that the atonement has given me in repentance. And I know that the Lord looks at me right now in this very second. And this is who he cares about. This is who he is concerned with. Not Stephanie of yesteryear. It's Stephanie of now. So let's move on to Elder D. Todd Christofferson. I love Elder Christofferson. Um, he's someone that I haven't really paid too much attention to, unfortunately. I've read his talks before, but since I've been doing this podcast, I've really focused on his talks. He's got so many wonderful, spiritual-filled talks that he's given to really get us um, filled with that conviction to serve and come unto the Lord. And Elder Christofferson says, once you and I have made a covenant with God, our relationship with him becomes much closer than before our covenant. Now we are bound together because of our covenant with God. He will never tire in his efforts to help us. And he will never, ever exhaust his merciful patience with us. Each of us has a special place in God's heart. And Jesus Christ is the guarantor of those covenants. Thank you, Elder Christofferson, for always reminding us of how special we are to our Heavenly Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then we have, from the 70, Elder Kevin W. Pearson. He says, Behold, the Lord requireth the heart and a willing mind, and the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land of Zion in these last days. May we always be willing. You see, when we come unto the Lord, there's so many promised blessings. There's so much joy and happiness to be had. And when we don't, we just wallow. We wallow in what I like to call a fake happiness. And I can say that because I've been there and I've lived it for 22 years. And I thought I was happy. But it's not a lasting happiness. It's a fake happiness. The lasting happiness, the one that truly reaches down into the core of your body and you can feel it through every pore and just spread from head to toe, 
comes from the happiness and joy that you have and will receive in the gospel of Jesus Christ as you follow him and accept that invitation to come follow me from our Savior. And then we have Elder Eduardo Gavaretti of the 70 who says this change of heart is not an event. It takes faith, repentance, and constant spiritual work to happen. Today is the day to decide to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I give you my heart. I have nothing more to give you. So I say to myself and I say to the Lord, this is what I give. I have my heart to give. I have my will to give. And I have my agency and I give it to you. And I agree with Elder Gavaretti when he says that it's not an event. It's a process. It's a lifetime of living. And then we have Elder Dallin H. Oaks who says the scriptures clearly teach us the origin and need for a church directed by with the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I remind all that we do not believe that good can be accomplished only through a church. Independent of a church, we see millions of people supporting and carrying out innumerable good works. Individually, Latter-day Saints participate in many of them. We see these works as a manifestation of the eternal truth that the Spirit giveth light to every man that cometh into the world. Despite the good works that can be accomplished without a church, the fullness of doctrine and its saving and exalting ordinances are available only in the restored church. In addition, church attendance gives us the strength and enhancement of faith that come from associating with other believers and worshiping together with those who are also striving to stay on the covenant path and to be better disciples of Jesus Christ. I pray that we will all be steadfast in these church experiences as we seek eternal life, the greatest of all the gifts of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And that is a great gift, is eternal life. This is what Heavenly Father has offered to us. And I'm going to end these quotes of comeback quotes is what I call them with this last one from Elder Christofferson. And he says, Our Father and our Redeemer have blessed us with commandments. And in obeying their commandments, we feel their perfect love more fully and more profoundly. So I say to you, why not come back? Why would you miss out on all of these wonderful blessings? So I wanted to share some personal experiences. Uh, recently, I went to a wedding for my nephew, and my older brother had four children with his first wife, and they're all very close in age. And there are two boys, two girls, and when they were growing up, we did our best to stay very close to them. They lived near us to, um, I wanna say, until the oldest was about seven or eight, and then they moved to Utah. So we did our best to stay a part of their life as much as possible. We traveled quite frequently to Utah, um, you know, sent cards, we would call, that sort of thing. They always knew that we loved them. And we did our best to stay close to them. We were aunties and uncles that were very close in age because my brother, my older brother, is eight years older than me. So my oldest nephew from this particular brother is only 10 years younger than me. And then um, my nieces and nephews, just they're not that much uh, younger than I am. And so we've always had these very close relationships. The boys, when they went out on their missions, one went to Argentina, the other to Russia. They had very challenging missions. Um, they had some very hard experiences, but I do have letters that I've kept from them where they express their deep love for me as their auntie. And during this time while they were on their missions, I was inactive. And they both promised me that when they come back, 
that um, the gospel is true and the gospel is where happiness and joy can be found. And because of this, they're going to make sure when they get back that they're going to get me active. And um, I still reread those letters to this day and I feel their great love for me and I miss those men because those young men are gone. All four of these children are now adults. They have their own families. They're well into their 30s. And um, the oldest three in particular have fallen away from the church and have had their names removed. Uh, the older two were sealed in the temple and um, it was just very shocking to have this happen uh, because we've always been very close and been able to do family holidays, family activities and come together um, in our gospel living. And it was always very nice and now that's changed because everything they do involves drinking. And uh, being out in the world for decades myself and using what the world has to offer, I am very understanding. However, I am 50 now and I do see uh, with wisdom and experience and of course the spirit that enlightens my mind what's going on here. So we are at this wedding and this fondness that I have for one of my nephews in particular um, was that relationship has been very harmed. I was not able to go to his wedding a few years back and he stopped talking to me. When he was in the gospel, this would have never happened, but he's no longer in the gospel. And, uh, he felt like because I didn't go to his wedding that that justified him not talking to me, not taking my phone calls and not responding to my text messages any longer. And I had to accept that, which I always viewed these four as like my children. So this is one of the hardest things to do is to love somebody from afar who comes across as having no interest in loving you in return one of the hardest lessons I've ever had to learn. Um, I went to this wedding and two of the kids, when they talk to me, the way that they hug me and interact with me comes across very fake, very surface and superficial. The other two remain very true to themselves in the relationship and they honor that. And I really appreciate that. Um, they're very respectful to me and who I choose to be. And so I just do me. I am not the typical LDS member. I am um, my own very unique, quirky voice in the choir of God's millions of members. And I know that there's a place for me and I feel that there's a place for me. And so I don't look to conform other than when I need to, as far as the gospel's concerned. And the spirit guides me on that, thankfully, because Lord knows I cannot rely on my mortal mind so much. Um, but at this wedding, I witnessed them treat their mother who is LDS abhorrently and my heart was broken. They poked fun at her, um, the older three did. They made, when she tried to join on the dance floor with their stepfather and just let loose and have fun and celebrate, they made fun of her as she was dancing in her LDS garments. And uh, how, this is how you dance in your temple garments. And I was just utterly appalled. I was so caught off guard at how the lengths that they took to make her feel uncomfortable that I didn't know what to say, which is honestly, I'm, 
ashamed to say is very unusual for me. I normally always have something to say, but because it was his wedding and it was the four is what we call them, I did not realize that this relationship was this way. I know that they feel like their mom used the gospel to um, control, manipulate, and brainwash them. This is how they feel. I see a mother who has her own story of being brought up by two parents who did the best they could, but um, she has her own story of trauma and abuse, and she was trying to correct that with her own children, and she may have overdone it, and um, now her children are adults, and they are reeling from all of this nonsense and there's a lot more to the story that I'm not sharing but suffice it to say when I left that wedding I knew that these three just didn't need me anymore and quite frankly they just didn't want to be a part of my life I had moved heaven and earth to be at this wedding um, and the one nephew in particular, I knew that he was super grateful that we were there. Um, and I knew that it was right that we were there. There were no parents other than his mom. Um, his fiance, who is now his wife that he married, her parents have passed on and her grandparents have passed on. So it was very good that we went. However, the relationships have changed and um, I have to really, my personality is I just don't want to be around people that are going to be jerks, even if they're family. Um, but I know that that is not the gospel. And so I have to be led by the spirit. And thankfully I'm responsive to the spirit because I will try to always take the choose the right road. CTR, that is my motto is CTR. Because I know it's the right path. It always works out the best way. But man, it's hard sometimes, it's really hard. Especially when you've got these grown kids that have left the church, had their names removed, and are so disrespectful. They literally left my mom who has been She's done the best she can to be a good grandmother. Um, when they were born, she still had children home herself. As a matter of fact, her youngest was still a baby. But they have these, they harbor these ill feelings towards her that I don't entirely understand. And instead of talking it through with her, they just hold these ill feelings towards her and treat her accordingly. And to me, it's just such a waste of time. I love all the teachings of the gospel. And I want to be around people who live the gospel. So it begs the question, how do you be in the gospel and still be around people who don't live the gospel? I get irritated very quickly with people who don't have patience for others. And yet I'm one of those. But I just can't stand people who are mean to others. I can't stand people who go out of their way to be cruel. My second nephew did that. He poked fun at his mom for not drinking. He baited her. He said very cruel things to her. When I said goodbye to him, the fakeness just dripped off his tongue. And I was utterly appalled and shocked. I was like, this is how you're going to honor our relationship from the day you were born. This is what you're going to do. But you know, I do have to step back and realize that, you know, they all have their lives and they're just as hard as mine, if not harder. And I don't know everything that they're going through. Okay. So I too must live the gospel. I too must reserve judgment. I too must ask the Lord to prepare my heart so that when the day comes that they soften theirs, 
my heart will be willing to accept them instead of my heart being hardened towards them. I hope you understand what I'm saying because the dynamics of family can be so hard and we can actually create even more hardness if we use the gospel um, to create these boundaries, right? So we have to be diligent in allowing the spirit to lead us through these relationships. There is an appropriate time when we say, okay, we've done enough and now things are just toxic and I'm going to walk away and take a break for now. I don't ever come back, text or call unless I'm prompted to do so um, because I have to trust the spirit that the spirit has strengthened me. Uh, most importantly, my emotions um, to handle it because I'm very tender. I am someone who feels things. I don't compartmentalize well because I feel all the time. It's a blessing and a curse. And uh, I have to learn to endure with it and to discipline it. And so this is just, it was just a very uncomfortable experience. And yet it was a very rewarding experience. I had a lot of fun. I didn't let their poor attitude stop me. I was bound and determined to enjoy myself. I moved heaven and earth to get there. It was in Sedona and it was in a beautiful place with beautiful people. And um, my mom was there, my brother was there, other people were there that I wanted to enjoy their company. I hadn't danced in a long time. And so I got out there as soon as that music started, I was the first one on the dance floor and I was bound and determined to enjoy my time. And you know what? I was in there with the bartender when she was making drinks. She would make me virgin drinks as she was making these drinks that I hadn't heard of because there's all these new drinks because it's been so long since I've actually drank alcoholic beverages. And she would make me virgin drinks and let me try it. And it was a really cool experience. And I was talking to people as they came up and, you know, and being involved. I wanted people to know that, yes, I am LDS, but I'm not sitting in the corner. I'm here and I'm present and I'm active and you're not gonna ignore me. And I'm gonna set the example and I'm going to be a reflection of the Lord and I'm gonna have a good time. And that's what I did. It wasn't a perfect visit, but I'll have you know, I love these kids. I pray for these kids. I pray for their families. Do I wish it was a better relationship? Of course I do. However, I have hope. See, this is what the gospel gives us. It gives us hope. It gives us hope because Jesus Christ is the great equalizer. He's the reconciler. He is the one that's going to come in and fix things. I don't know how. I have no idea what avenue, path, or ways are provided or possible because I'm not God. So that's why I just exercise my faith and I trust him and I continue to push forward. I hope they come back. Recently, we were in the book of Hosea as we continue to push forward and study the Old Testament. And in the book of Hosea, I was struck by the people who are just not responding to the prophet, the voice of the prophet. The prophet is calling them to repentance and as par for norm, at some point you come across a group of people or society, a civilization that is just come to their cycle of apostasy where they're like, you know what, we're just not listening to you anymore. And um, that's kind of where my nephews and nieces are at right now. And I know at some point the Lord and that cycle of apostasy he works with his children. He knows what trials and challenges to put in their life, to awaken their heart, to chisel at that wall of ice 
um, that guarding wall that they've put up around them. He knows exactly what to do. And I find comfort that my dad, who is the patriarch of our family, also prays on their behalf. And the inspiration he receives is do not worry about them. So that gives me a lot of comfort, a lot of comfort. And then I just hope for them and I pray for them. And I just try to continue to love them from afar, even through all of my hurt feelings and all of my disappointments, I try to let go. So let's focus on coming back. Please come back, but we must not shorten their conversion path. Their path to conversion must be complete. Otherwise, it will not stick. I wanted to share a story with you by Wayne K. Brown. They cared enough to help me come back. He says, I was born to a good Latter-day Saint family, and I always went to primary and Sunday school. During my first years in the Aaronic Priesthood, I even received several individual awards for church attendance and for giving talks and meetings, and I also took part in the church sports program. Who would have thought that in a few years I would be inactive and that it would be many more years before my conversion to the gospel would begin? So at age 15, when I had reached what I thought was maturity, I decided that the church was not for me. I had an early morning paper route and on weekends, I usually went back to bed after the papers had been delivered. At 16, I began working in a grocery store, sometimes on Sundays, and I bought a car with the money that I had saved. My money, my new car, and I became very popular with a new group of friends. None of them had cars. In fact, not one of them had a job. So they seemed to value my friendship. And I soon found myself ignoring some basic church teachings to stay in their good graces. When I married, I finally separated myself from most of these friends, but I still didn't attend church. I did continue to play church basketball and softball though, and my wife stayed as active in the church as I would allow. About this time, a return missionary friend was assigned as our home teacher. We enjoyed his visits very much, and I even accepted an invitation to attend priesthood meeting with him. Unfortunately, the only other member of the prospective elders class seemed unable to stay awake. A couple of times during the lesson, his head almost rested on my shoulder. So needless to say, I felt uncomfortable as did the two instructors. And my solution was quite simple. I slept during the next meeting myself in my own bed. Our family was growing, so we bought a small house. And just after we moved in, two members of the bishopric came and extended a friendly welcome. Then, just a few days later, several members of the ward finance committee innocently dropped by to ask me if I would like to pay my budget now or by the month. And I felt angry. It seemed to me that the ward had welcomed us one week just so that they could get a hand in my wallet the next. And my resentment seemed to take root and as time passed, it became a real bitterness. For the next two years, my wife served as a primary teacher and attended as many meetings as she could and still keep peace at home. We also had a series of home teachers, but my animosity drove each of them away. Finally, a turning point came. Don McIntyre and his son, Guy, came into our home. We're your new home teachers, they announced. Sure you are, I thought. You won't last long. But I was wrong. They kept coming back time after time. And best of all, they didn't ask if they could pick me up for meetings or even mention the church, except when Dawn would ask my wife about her primary calling. I actually enjoyed our discussions. During one of our casual visits, Dawn found out that I enjoyed playing basketball. And on their next visit, Dawn and Guy came with a message and a question. The ward basketball team will begin practicing at nine tomorrow night at the church. Would you like to play? I said I would try to be there. The next night I had to ask my wife for directions to the church since I had never been there before. And then gathering my gym clothes, I set out to find it. And when I got there, I sat out in my truck for a few moments wondering how to get in. Then I saw that there were lights on in the foyer, so I went in. 
As I opened the front door, I saw a lot of young people in the foyer and a group of adults in the corner. I tucked my clothes under my arm, ducked my head to avoid them, and headed for the door to the cultural hall. Before I could reach the door, a man darted from the group of adults saying, Hello, Wayne Brown. How are you? Let me introduce you to the team. I had never seen this man before, but I later found out that he was Dwayne Ney, the first counselor in the bishopric. After about an hour of practice, Dwayne announced that the bishop wanted to interview all the players for eligibility, and at this point I headed for the dressing room. It was fun playing, I told myself, even if it was only for one night. But when Dwayne walked over and encouraged me to meet with the bishop, I couldn't think of a way to refuse. He introduced me to Bishop John Thomas, who invited me into his office, and we talked casually for a while. Do you want to play basketball for the ward? I said I did, and I braced myself. But he signed the eligibility form without further questions, and I was shocked. But even more shocked that he hadn't taken this opportunity to lecture me. He only said that he hoped I would have a desire to meet with the ward someday. Well, the next Sunday, I surprised everyone, including myself, by attending priesthood meeting. In opening exercises, I sat by one of the men with whom I had played ball, then followed to the elders quorum class. And I was nervous when they asked me to introduce myself and embarrassed when they asked if I had just moved in. But the following Sunday, I went again, and this time after elders and introduced himself. He was Ray Crouch, and he invited me to attend the prospective elders class the following week. He was the instructor, he said, and there were not as many people in his class as in the elders quorum. He was certainly right about that, and over the next few months, only once did any other than Ray and me attend the class. Even so, Ray came prepared every week with a lesson. After a few weeks, I decided to increase my involvement, so my wife and I began attending Sunday school together. And before long, we were bowling with a ward league, with each positive experience, a little more of my aloofness melted away. So when Bishop Thomas called my wife and me into his office to ask us if we would support the ward budget, we agreed. He explained what the money would be used for, and we told him we would pay it all on a certain date. For the first time, I had committed myself to contributing money to the church, and almost immediately a blessing came just when we were somewhat pressed for money. The expense of replacing a broken window and an unexpected medical bill had left us short. We had been trying to sell our motorboat, but had no luck because it was so late in the summer. Nevertheless, when payday came, I put the budget money in an envelope in my dresser. Even though several small bills were due, I was determined. I will give this money to the bishop on Sunday, I told myself. Surprisingly, with the very next day, someone called. We couldn't imagine who would be interested in buying a boat in this time of year, but he bought it. His check for my total asking price more than covered our contribution, and we were amazed. In fact, we could hardly wait to pay our budget next year. The process of my conversion did not take place all at once. It was not an event. Years of distrusting the motives of church members and of doubting my own capacity to live the gospel stood between me and a thriving commitment to the church and its teachings. A faithful home teacher, a concerned bishop, a few church meetings, even our faith-promoting experience with the ward budget only began this process. It took many experiences over a period of time before my testimony became a strong motivating power. And since my conversion began, many great things have happened to me and my family, and we have been sealed in the temple for time and eternity. My wife and I have served in several ward callings, and we have even served in callings in our stake. And best of all, our testimonies have kept growing. Way to go, Wayne. Such a great story. And if you go to churchofjesuschrist.org and put into the search engine, come back. There's more stories like this that pop up if you're looking for uplifting and inspiration. And let me just add my own story. I met my husband who wanted to get baptized and married. Married, baptized, and sealed in the church. And he has OCD. So this was during three-hour church. I was not ready to go back to church yet. Next thing I found myself, I was at church every Sunday for three hours. At first I was fine with it. But after a few Sundays, I started to grumble. I was like, look, in my own head, 
I am not ready to be here every Sunday for three hours. Like, this is your thing. It's not mine. And I am not ready for this. And my attitude just was not right. And I remember finally telling him in my frustration as the Sundays kept ticking by, like, I can't do this every Sunday. I need a break. Three hours is a long time. I'm not ready to jump right back into church. And he just looked at me and said, this is what I'm doing. You either get on board with it or don't, but this is what I'm doing. And I just looked at him shocked. I couldn't believe it. And I was like, okay, like, can we just get into it gradually? And he was like, no. And I should have known better because my husband doesn't do anything gradually. And so one day he got me up, I got dressed for church and I went with an attitude. And let me tell you people, if you have not picked up from my podcast yet, how saucy I am and my attitude and my, my little, uh, (laughs) temper and my mouth, sometimes the words and the things that come out of my mouth, I have to really watch and think before I say anything. Um, it was a very rough morning. So we get to church, we sit down, and I am just grumpy as all heck. The prayer is said, we sing a hymn, they don't really have any church announcements, so we go right into the sacrament prayer. And of course, it's about Christ. And everybody starts singing, and I am just irritated that I am there once again for three hours on Sunday. And that's all I can think about because I just want to be at home. And because everybody's singing this song about Christ, and I can't remember exactly what song it was, but I'm reading along with the words because I'm trying to sing it, but my voice is caught in my throat. And I'm starting to get self-conscious because I can't sing along with everybody. And um, I'm wondering what's going on. And then all of a sudden, I am just utterly consumed with the Spirit of Christ. And I am very aware that I am being moved upon by the Spirit who is loving me, who is softening me, who is confirming for me that I am doing the right thing, I am in the right place, and I am doing it for the right person, my sweet husband who is doing the right thing and I need to knock it off. And I was so consumed with this admonition and the sweet love that I felt for my savior that I could not stop crying. I literally cried the rest of sacrament and I could not get control of my emotions. I was so humbled. And this is what Christ does. He corrects us with a great, immense amount of love. This is a pattern, of course, that we can follow whenever we're correcting anybody within our sphere of influence as well. Um, And I'll never forget that. As a matter of fact, it's it's part of, it's, it's one of the parts of my conversion path. You see, my conversion path was not finished. Another time before I met my husband, and uh, this was between me divorcing my second husband and meeting my third husband, I was starting to attend church with my parents and um, felt like like a sea urchin in a zoo. Like everybody was looking at me and I did not belong in a zoo, I belonged in the sea. And, I did not feel like this was the place for me. I did not feel like nobody wanted me there. And um, I felt so completely uncomfortable. And I look back on that experience now and I know it's because of everything that I was doing and also because of how long I had stayed out of church That's what happens. And so you have to start going back and becoming part 
of God's covenant people again. And slowly but surely, it took a couple of years. So you have to be patient as you're converting yourself. And that's why, you know, now when I go to church, I run to church. I love being with my people. I love being with people who think like me, who believe like me, who are there because they're there because of the same reasons I'm there. Because of their faith, because they love Jesus, because they want to celebrate. They want to share their faith. They want to learn. They want to stand in awe. They want to be a part of the restoration of this great gospel. They want to be a part of the kingdom and of the work. And there's so much beauty in that. And so there's this chipping away of this yick that we have to do. So please just be patient as you go through this process. And for those of you who are in the gospel that are watching your loved ones come back, be patient. Let them finish their conversion path because it's in the finishing of that conversion path that they're going to stick to the covenant path with the iron rod to that beautiful, glorious, lit up tree that's going to take us home. So come back. Come back where happiness and joy and strength is found that will help you get through this time here on earth that is an education and that is why things are hard is to sanctify and refine you. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Thank you so much for your patience. I wanted to leave you with this. And this again is from Elder F. Burton Howard of the 70. He says, from the beginning, prophets have called almost all men to repentance. And those who have not known about the gospel have been exhorted to abandon their sinful ways, keep the commandments, and join with the people of the Lord. And that's what we do as we become anew. We become fresh. We become changed. And we become disciples of Jesus Christ. Please do not forget that you can reach out to me at Instagram at LDSRPRL Podcast. Also on TikTok at LDSRPRL Podcast. You can email me at LDS Real Lives. I'm sorry, LDS Real People Real Lives at gmail.com. That is plural. LDS Real People Real Lives at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this podcast on Spotify, there is a question. If you'd like to respond to that question, I will be reading those responses on the next episode and uh, would very much appreciate your participation and your faith. And please remember to stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay faithful and remember to be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle You guys have a wonderful, wonderful holiday next week. Enjoy your Thanksgiving in whatever way it comes. And remember to thank and be grateful for your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and your wonderful Heavenly Father who truly knows every hair in your head. Much love and aloha.